Hello everybody, this is Benjamin Kitchings of the History Voyager, a podcast about history. This is episode 70 of the History Voyager. This is a conversation about the future from two guys that remember the past. This was a year of basically a lot of changes and it was also a year that had this year happened earlier that is had the events of this year happened earlier things would have gone I think differently and I don't even know if a lot of it would have been possible I'm gonna have a guest on this coming up week who talks of quite a bit and I'm gonna get him to say it on my podcast about how he thinks that if COVID-19 had happened earlier in our history even 10 15 years earlier it would have led to the country's demise. I don't disagree with that. I really don't. I think that is very much a likely assessment. Anyway, so this guy is Gary Bloom, and he's very technologically aware, and he has intellectual property that he wanted me to allow him to bring up on my podcast, which, of course, I was happy to do. I really enjoyed this podcast a lot, and he really does say a lot, and I really think that we need to unpack what he says. And I also think that a lot of what he says, although it is relevant, and it's a very good podcast, it's very worthwhile to listen to, I think a lot of what he says is basically will be more relevant in the future, but I'm not really sure when the future is, at least when the future is that this will be more relevant in. However, that doesn't diminish its value now. But I just wanted to basically say, hi, how are you guys doing? And I hope you're making it through this bonkers year of 2020. I'm going to leave my email in the description if anybody listening to this wants to get in touch with me uh, in the podcast. Um, I'm going to have some very interesting guests on uh, in the very, very near future. And thank you guys. And as always, I'm having a great day and I hope you are too. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody. My name is Ben Kitchings and you're listening to History Voyager. This is episode 70 of the History Voyager, and I'm here with Gary Bloom, who he is an app developer and does all kinds of things with sci-fi and all sorts of things, and I'm sure we're going to have a lovely talk about 2020. Why don't you take <laughs> it away, sir? Yeah, sure. No, um, so yeah, so Gary Bloom, I am, um, uh, I guess I've touched on a lot of things, right? So uh, I actually created the Antares Ascended um, sci-fi series, and I've been writing that monthly for about two years now. And uh, I started doing kind of a prototype for a gladiator game based on, uh, you know, it's kind of the the official sport of of the Antares Empire. Um, so trying to turn it into a game, I've got a Kickstarter out now uh, that I'm trying to take it from being just uh, kind of the web apps that I was designing and uh, raise enough money to have a dev team turn it into a mobile app. So. Um, all while trying to survive this interesting year that we call 2020. <laughs> isn't it? It is an interesting year, I tell you. 
it's, uh, it's been quite intriguing. Before we get into your uh, universe, which I am curious about, um, sure. tell me about your 2020. How's your 2020 going? Uh, my 2020 has been interesting. Um, you know, uh, I, I happen to be really lucky. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the, the name just because I don't know if work would kill me, but, um, you know, I, I do happen to, to work for a company for, for a software company, um, in a uh, pre-sales capacity. And, uh, I, you know, when I read stories about other folks, I do feel really lucky. You know, they've made it a point to uh, to really try and take care of us as much as possible, um, and, and to you know to really do right by our customers this year. So it's it's definitely been one of those things where, if ever I had wondered if I made the right choice, um, you know, with all the chaos that's going on and swirling around, uh, you know, this is this has been great. So you know, so I will say that that. Um, in that I'm lucky. Uh, I think that it's been otherwise, uh, rather bonkers, you know, we, we, we dealt with, uh, my daughter's school district. <laughs> Her school was the first one to close, uh, in our area back. Uh, was it what March was that 9th? like? Uh, it was terrifying. March 9th. March 9th. Yeah, it was, it was really, really nuts. Um, I mean, we had, we had just come back from, you know, that weekend we had um, celebrated my mom's 65th birthday. And I mean, my, my brother and my father and I, you know, we're all musicians. They've got a bunch of friends who are musicians. And, you know, there's even a, a photo of my daughter getting up on stage, you know, at six years old. and Or I guess she was five still. And, um, you know, playing guitar with us. And, you know, we, we had a grand old time. And, uh, you know, then we came back and that Monday, uh, I guess at 5 p.m., we got the email saying that there was a case in my daughter's school and they were shutting down. And they ended up, you know, they said, we're going to shut down the district just to clean. And you know, Tuesday and Wednesday were just supposed to be cleaning. And my parents, that Wednesday, were actually supposed to fly to, I guess it was, was it Spain? for, for a couple of weeks or something of that nature, um, as my mom's 65th, you know, birthday, uh, present. And they, like the plane was delayed and then they decided to get off the plane. Um, they realized, you know, it was a bad idea. And about a third of the people got off the plane and they, you know, they drove back home and the school district kept sending us emails, you know, Hey, we were going to be open on Tuesday. We're going to hold off and keep cleaning until Wednesday. Then Thursday we were told the district, you know, still has to remain closed. The government said we need to stay closed for, for, you know, for another day. And then on Friday we were told that, yeah, we're going to try and do remote. And my daughter was in kindergarten. So, you know, it's, you know, I mean, for me, I've been working from home, you know, for years and, uh, you know, on and off and then, you know, much more full-time in, in the recent couple of years. Um, but for a kindergartner who's still just trying to learn how to learn, um, you know, it was, we were, we were really concerned and, um, you know, we've got people who are friends and family who, who are immunocompromised for, for various reasons. And, um, you know, I've got a, a nut, you know, I've got a grandfather in his nineties and it was just one of those things where we're like, what is going on? What is happening? Nobody has any clue. And it just seemed like every week they would put out more, information that they weren't entirely certain if the information was right and it was just i gotta say it was scary you know um yeah. so i 
it's it's there's a lot of fatigue right now, but I, I'm I'm much more grateful for the fact that we at least have a clue at this point. You know, we have to to some degree. I mean, still no one knows everything. I mean that that much seems clear, but but the fact that we've got at least some some sense of it, you know, at least the fear is not constantly there anymore. Well, I mean the thing I the thing I noticed because with my podcast I I talk about COVID nineteen on my podcast. So I, I have taken upon myself to read up on it as much as I can. Sure. Uh, the thing I've noticed is that there are people that right now believe that this is a hoax and they oh, believe yes. that all this, and it's really, it, you hear the phrase, uh, alternate realities. Yeah. A lot. And that's fair. That's a, that's a fair assessment. I think. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm glad that your daughter has, I mean, that y'all have the ability to, to have, make sure that your little girl is educated at home properly. Um, Cause some people don't have that situation. Probably yeah, a lot of no, I'll tell you, we've been, we've been really, really lucky actually the, um, so the school district worked very, very hard over the summer. And I, I gotta give, I gotta give a lot of credit. Um, you know, they worked really hard and they, put a plan in place and, and they, you know, when they, they offered for, for anybody who wanted to opt out, I've heard something about 40% of the, the district opted out for, for uh, remote, but um, my daughter, you know, knock on wood has actually been uh, in person in school uh, since the, since the school year started. And hopefully I'm not jinxing it by saying all this out loud, um, but uh you know, I mean, she now she wears a mask every day. The teacher wears a mask every day. They are, you know, they are distanced. They basically they come into the classroom, and they do not leave the classroom for anything. You know, they eat in the classroom, and they, uh, you know, the specials come to them and stuff like that. And uh, so, I mean, look, is it the same? Is it the same enjoyable experience that I had as a first grader? No, um, but you know the. The fact that she's there and she's able to be there, I think, is really, really great. Um, I mean, she's got an amazing teacher who I'm really, really grateful for, um, you know, and uh, and so I, I, I really hope she gets to continue that as long as possible, as long as people are, you know, trying to be smart and be safe. So, um, but like you said, you know, there are people out there who who still thinks it's a hoax. And, and it's funny because there are there are stigmas attached to that, but there is no common thread it seems behind who thinks it's a hoax and who doesn't you know I, I i i've heard of people in many states there are people who i know there are very very you know just people of all types of all walks of life and all political and all educational and all socioeconomic and it's just it's yeah there, there are people who just don't feel like um you know doing the bare minimum which is sort of sad why do you suppose that is? I mean, honestly, I'm I'm curious about that in my own life. Why do you think that is? I'll be honest. I, I'm I'm not 100 percent positive. Um, you know, I I've I've tried to think it through and, and rationalize, and um, you know, I, I just I, I I'm not positive. Um, you know, I and I, I feel bad because you know it's like. First of all, there are a lot of people who who look at those folks and and mock them, and and I don't think it's a mocking situation because you know I think you you, you know you kind of have to look at it and go, um, you know there are people dying all around this country, 
And and worse than that, and I, I think I think what gets lost in the um, in the reports, and everybody talks about the number of people who have died, which is which is tragic. Um, but there are people who, you know, they, they've they've said that, you know, if you don't die, there are these long-lasting effects on the heart, on the lungs. Um, you know, we had a family friend who had a stroke as a as an offshoot of it. Um, so you know, she 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 lived, but you know, she um, you know, she's dealing with a lot. And um, you know, so I kind of look at that, and it's like, what what causes something like like how 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 mistrustful do you have to feel if you know you're seeing all of this news and and you're still hearing you you you're hearing what's happening but you're interpreting it as this is this is fake and and this is you know somebody's somebody's trying to play a trick somebody's trying to somebody's trying to hurt me by saying this and it's you know i mean look i've been writing science fiction for a long time um you know and and i kind of uh, have specialized to some degree in the past in like the whole post-apocalyptic and the dystopian societies and stuff like that. And, you know, so I've, I've written that stuff, but you know, the idea that, that somebody would feel such mistrust, um, you know, to, towards science towards, I mean, yeah. you know, so many things that, that I, I do genuinely feel bad because that, you know, that could be a real, real combative mindset to have to live through and that's that's rough you know and so i'm i'm hopeful that you know i mean look more than anything else i am hopeful that there is a vaccine that is safe that that takes care of these things you know i I feel like much like i get a flu shot every year there's a very good chance that i'm going to be getting a covid shot every year um but you know I, i i hope first and foremost that happens but but i really do hope that you know stuff like this you know if we do have to have any kind of an emergency across the nation, across the world that, you know, that the people can feel confident that when they're hearing about things that, yeah, this, you know, this really is, this is something you can trust. This is something that, that you don't have to, um, you know, shy away from and, and that you don't have to feel like, you know, anyone's trying to hurt you on purpose. So that's, that's just kind of the way that, and I, and I, I assure you that my original thoughts were not like that. Um, but it took me some time to, to kind of get to that. And, and, and that's well, what were your original thoughts? I'm just curious. Oh, my original thoughts were, um, you know, especially in the early days, uh, I was just angry. You know, I was, there was a lot of anger, you know, I know that they have, um, what do they talk about? Like the, the different stages of grieving and, uh, and I was angry for a while, you know, because, wow. um, you know, we, uh, for instance, like, you know, I have, I've got a, um, a brother and his family are in Texas and, you know, we had talked about trying to be able to, to, to go travel to see them this year and talked about them coming up here to, you know, to spend time with us for Thanksgiving and that got blown away. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really, I don't get to see my parents because it's just, you know, it's, it's not all that safe to, to go and do that. And, um, you know, my, my daughter, uh, spent so much time away from friends and she would, you know, I mean, I, I, I read to her every night and yeah. we would have nights where, you know, at least once or twice a week, I'd have to call my wife in and the three of us would just sit together and my daughter would cry about this. And so it's like when people were, it's, oh, it's a hoax and they refused to do the masks and, and masks are tyranny. Um, you know, I was, I was originally really, really angry. I, I, you know, I was like, how can you say this? Like, how can you not see this? Um, you know, I was, I would, I would lash out 
and um you know and it, and it took me a while to to kind of think through that it's like you know what it's they're 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 not stupid they're not evil um they're just you know they have this sense for whatever reason that this isn't real and you know and it, and it makes me wonder what what's actually causing that and, and what why makes them think tick basically what's that what what makes them tick yeah yeah you know yeah. and it's it was just sort of a reminder that hey look you know what i mean there are a lot of things that we take for granted in a lot of places um and and you know we probably shouldn't you know that 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 so many of us just don't bother to kind of figure out you know what matters to each other and 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 how each other think and, and how we grew up and stuff like that i mean you know, i've spent most of my life uh living in new york state uh, i mean I'm, I'm not a city boy or anything like that um but you know i've i've lived in new york and in in lower new york and you know went to school in, in albany um and i you know and i spent my first year out of college in austin texas um but i have you know i've far from met you know every person and every type of person in this country and you know i think i'm only at what am i at like about 28 states so i've got quite a ways to go and you uh, lived in 20 i'm sorry you no, no, no 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 i visited 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 28 states um that would be cool wow. if i lived lived in 28 but no i've just visited uh but you know I mean? it's like it's, it's funny because i i mean i've got i have friends in wisconsin i've got friends in, in texas i've got friends you know in south carolina so you know I, I think about the fact that it's like i've got friends all over this country but you know there's still a good chance that a lot of them you know grew up or thought a lot more like me and you know i, I think that you know when it comes to when it comes to stuff like this in life, we've got to be cautious about not getting caught in our own echo chamber. Um, you know, I, I, like, I, I actually have, have been more um, drawn into that on, on like my writing, right? you know I mean? Cause I used to just, I used to just write what I was thinking and what I was feeling. And when I, Let me when ask I actually you a question, real Oh, quick. sure. Go ahead. Cause I've, I've been dying to actually ask, to ask an actual post-apocalyptic writer. This, <laughs> sure. This question. I and could I'm not, not write even, this. I'm not this, even this, joking. This. <laughs> I'm not even trying to segue yeah. here. This is the real question that I've that I have. Yeah. Um, my buddies and I, we we have this constant, you know, conversation about, you know, this really feels like a. Some days it feels really peaceful, and other days it feels like, like I'm living in a post-apocalyptic world, kind of, or yeah. at least an apocalyptic world. What do you think are the, like what? okay put your memory hat on right sure all right before before now so before back in the good old days of december of 2019 2019 <laughs> 2019 back in yep. the halcyon days of 2018 okay yeah um how would you have conceived as a writer of a post-apocalyptic or an apocalyptic situation and, and juxtapose that if you would with your, like, say you come through this in 2023 or 2022 and how would you reapproach the the genre of post-apocalyptic writing? It is, it is nutty because, um, you know, to me, the post-apocalyptic always had to do with, some sort of nuclear issue or, um, you know, some, some kind of planetary 
weather event. Um, you know, you, you, you look at, uh, what was it? Was it called arc or I can't, I can't think of what it was off the top of my head, but there was a two book series that was all about, um, this huge underground ocean, uh, you know, kind of coming up from the mantle and flooding all of earth. And, you know, like, um, then there, you know, then you think about, uh, you know, the stuff with like, Hey, aliens enslaving us and, um, you know, and, and these massive wars that have gone and taken out so much, or, you know, Hey, we've got to go find another planet because of, um, you know, the, the sun explodes or something like that. Like I can't think of the one was, uh, Spider Robinson basically took over an old manuscript from, from, uh, Heinlein and did a book that, uh, that I really liked uh, a number of years back. So, I mean, stuff like that, that's always what I thought about. And the funny thing was that there was a book, um, and I'm going to have to look up the author. I'm going to have to look up the, the book and everything. I, I think it actually even showed up like partway into the series or something of that nature. But, um, just this concept of, you know, like there's this elite fighting unit and, uh, and, and it turned out that there's some disease out there and there is like this, um, there's a conspiracy theory about the idea that, uh, you know, it was intentionally unleashed to, to help, you know, limit the population of the world and bring it down to, to, to safer levels. And they're out that like they, this elite fighting unit decides to inject themselves with it so they can go through it and get over it and then be immune so they can go out and fight against whoever. And, you know, and talk about, you know, and there's like this interesting sort of uh, storyline with, with the, with the president and, you know, did he know about it? Was it, you know, part of his idea and stuff like that? And, and just all of these different things. And I remember reading going, oh, you know, I mean, that was enjoyable, but that's just, you know, that, that just doesn't fit into my, my general concept of post-apocalyptic. Cause I mean, that's just not stuff that, you know, like, I, I just can't believe something like that's going to happen. And then you know, lo and behold, you get all of the same kind of conspiracy theories that have been flowing around for the last nine months. And, uh, you know, and, and so it's like, okay, all right. Like, was this, like, was this just a really, really good guess or was it prophetic or, I mean, it, it was, it was such a, when, when I started thinking back about that book a couple months in, I was just, man, this is, I don't know if I should laugh or cry, but, but I mean, that's, that's really what it is, you know, going, going forward. It's, it's like, I just, I start thinking about it's, it's the outbreak, you know, thoughts and, um, you know, like that's post-apocalyptic these days just, just feels much more like what are the little shifting things that we're just not ready for, you know, and, and, and how is that going to, to kind of take apart society? And that's, that just seems a lot more likely than, you know, the moon exploding or something like that at this point in time. Well, it, it's funny you say that because um, I've had that exact same thought a lot there's actually a uh there's actually a movie called i think we're alone now okay uh it's got uh peter dinklage and uh i do love peter dinklage remember l fanning l fanning i think um i tell you what uh it's a little indie movie i guess but it 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 hits different it it takes it, 
it takes a slant on post-apocalyptic reality uh, that would have seemed atypical before now, right? But now you're like, I could see that. Yeah. I, you know, I spent the whole movie being like, what year did this come out? <laughs> <laughs> when did this drop? Yeah. This, it's... I was like, I was like, this cat knew something. Like several times, I literally said, "This cat knew something. He he oh, yeah. figured something out." You know, you, you start seeing this stuff, and you're like, "Yeah, you know." I mean, you, you there's got to be somebody there who, yeah, no. and that's but but that's I, I think about that stuff, right? And and it's just funny because you know you like these things that you've read that are just more the edge case, and oh, those are never going to happen. Um, it's it's so it's so crazy um and uh i, I don't know yeah. <laughs> one of the things like with, with one of the things like with my podcast i talk about political theory mm-hmm. on my podcast um i have a master's in history oh cool and you know i i, I have basically a degree in political science too and uh so one of the things I bring up is that we had this model of the super competent bureaucrat as a president that went on for years. I mean, it went on for years and decades and we'd almost tricked ourselves into thinking that that was the default position. Like that was supposed to happen because one of the things in, in our country is we just, we don't think history is valuable. Like as a people, we just don't think history is important or valuable or really anything anybody needs to think about um, so we don't know about the 19th century presidents, right? Yeah, they, that's true. We had some stinkers in the 19th century. I mean, some <laughs> real stinkers, <laughs> you know? And, uh, I don't know, just, ah. Uh. so let's shift. Uh, okay. So you, you wrote post-apocalyptic fiction and did you get into an app developer, uh, f- after that or was that separate or, or was it like a two track situation or sure so or... um so so i mean we're, we're talking degrees my my degree is actually in information science um and and i was a web programmer long before uh you know a- any kind of uh, other jobs that i that i've you know gotten into in uh successive years but i mean i i also i started young um my grandparents had what was it? A Franklin Ace, which was like an Apple IIe clone, uh, probably oh, wow. back in the those. in the early '80s. So you know, I mean, I'm, I remember those. Yeah, so I'm I'm 43, <laughs> and I started I started uh, programming computers when I was uh, about seven years old, um, and you know, wrote my first game with my best friend when I was nine. So so the you know like when everyone else was oh I don't know what I want to be when I grow up and I I'm gonna be a computer programmer. You know, so, so that was, you know, that was always kind of part of life for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I discovered comic books probably around eight or nine, uh, you know, and, and science fiction around similar time. And, um, you know, my, my parents were, were they're they are not science fiction fans, um, but they're very, very big on, you know, I don't care what you're reading as long as you're reading. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're getting enjoyment from reading, we're good. Um, so, you know, they, they sort of encouraged it. And I, I got into doing some stories and stuff like that on my own. 
Um, and, uh, you know, when I did, when I started doing Ontario's Ascended a couple of years ago, um, I actually started off by, you know, I, I did a whole big, uh, like crowdsourcing campaign, um, where I, you know, became friends with a bunch of people on Twitter who turned into kind of like this panel. And as I was building the universe behind it, um, you know, they, they weighed in and they, they, they gave their thoughts and they helped dissuade me from certain things, persuade me for other things. And so, you know, as I was going along, it, it was just sort of a, um, you know, one of the things I, I used to do was I, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do the, and at the time I was calling it the Torian games, which, I've kind of retired. I like, uh, you know, Ontario's arena better, but um, the, you know, this whole mentality of, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have the, the actual gladiator contests. I'm going to, I'm going to run them. And so I wrote my own little simulator um, a simple little JavaScript thing. And I would, I would output the, the different, um, you know, results and I would publish the results. And I sort of started thinking, cause somebody says like, Oh man, I wish I could see that. It's like, oh, well, I could probably let you play it, you know, and and just kind of thinking about that, that idea of, oh, yeah, letting somebody play this, um, you know, and, and then it kind of evolved into, oh, you know what, I'll bet you I could turn that into like a legit game and, uh, you know, getting us to where we are now where, uh, you know, I haven't been a uh, an app programmer by any stretch of the imagination. That's, um, you know, it, it's been many years since my uh, my, my, my full-time gig was programming. Um, but you know, I did teach myself PHP and, and my sequel on the side. And, uh, and so I'd gotten into this and, you know, and started kind of playing up and seeing what I could build. And, and that's sort of how I got to, you know, what I've developed right now. And, uh, and honestly, it's been a lot of fun. So, um, but yeah, so it's, it's kind of a, I've always been a programmer, but, uh, but now I'm actually, you know, out there writing a game for real. Well, tell me about, please, because uh, you and I are around the same age. Yep. So tell tell my listeners about how we we, we are called the Oregon Trail Generation. That's funny. That. Yes, we are. Um, yes, that's yes. that's awesome. I, lo- I love that, that that designation, by the way. Have you heard that before? Am I dropping yes, I, I read an article a couple of years about that, and uh, and I shared that with all of my friends, and, and, and we – we truly, truly love that that designation. We're like, yep, we absolutely are the Oregon Trail generation. Um, yeah, so. yeah. Well, before I get you to dive into, because uh, I want you to talk about uh, kind of our experience of the internet as a generation or our experience of computing. But before I do that, I just have a cutesy little anecdote. Okay. Um, my buddy discovered an Oregon Trail uh, emulator online. No way. And way way and i played it and i'm like okay i'm an adult (laughs) but i totally remember playing this for hours as a kid oh yeah and thinking this was amazing but i mean i i can kind of i see it like i see how a kid would like it but what is the news what is happening (laughs) like it's not it's not as cool as I remembered it. Well, no, but I mean, how much stuff is like, really as cool as you remember it from, you yeah. know, like that's, that, that's an unfortunate part of, of, um, you know, of our generation. I find that there are a lot of things that we've tried to go, go back to 
and they're not always as awesome as we remember it, unfortunately, because they they don't have the shine of childhood anymore. Um, you know, and it, and like the context of it, I think is so important. And that, I mean, your younger listeners may not even believe me if I tell. Like, I remember, I remember, like there was um, there was a really cool picture of what did somebody like had like um, who was Michael Keaton in the Batman suit or, or something like that. I can't think of what year it was when Batman was first. And so downloading this picture for the first time, um, or maybe it was um, a ship in the, in the, in the flash costume for the flash show, whichever it was, it's like watching this, this thing render on my screen using my 4,800 BPS modem one line at a time you know, and just waiting and waiting for it. And you and, would just literally, I mean, it would take forever. But oh, yeah. You thought it was like, but you thought it was like nothing. I, I'll tell you how, how different we live in, okay? I literally remember getting on a BBS in a town from a town like 20 minutes away from my chair mm-hmm. where I was sitting and being totally blown away. Oh, yeah. My computer was, okay. I talk to people all over the world relatively easily. It, it's just like, oh my God. Like that's the, in the span of my lifetime, that's what we've come to. Oh yeah. You know, it, it's, and that's why I talk about context. You know, it, it's that, um, because I have colleagues who, who, who are in their early and mid twenties and who I'll, I'll say something. I'm like, oh, all right. Don't call me grandpa when I say this, please. And, and, you know, and they laugh and they, and, you know, I mean, for, I, again, I'm very yeah. lucky. I've got, I've got tremendous colleagues and everybody's always respectful of each other. We, anytime there's teasing, it's always, you know, good nature. Right. Um, I mean, I had one of them go, uh, go okay, boomer. I'm like, Hey, 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 hey Gen Xer. Thank you very much. Um, Wait, yeah, not a boomer, but <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but it's like, it's just, it's, it's thinking about, um, you know, the, the idea that, so I have, you know, I've got, I have younger cousins who they, they will never experience, or they never experienced a world where CDs did not exist. And they never experienced a world where, you know, like where modems didn't exist, where, where being able to use your computer to talk to someone else. And, you know, and then like, I look at, my older cousins who, you know, like to them, eight tracks were still, you know, were still relevant and, um, and their kids do not understand a world without iPads and, or, or maybe not iPads, but iPods, right. To them, digital well, music was always there because they're, they're teenagers now. So, so to them, like digital music was always a thing. And my daughter is at, at six is never going to comprehend a world where she couldn't stream music or video or television or like she's, I mean, like the, the fact that my brother decided to cut the cord and, and my wife would love to. And, and she teases me. She's like, yeah, you're just hanging on to it. I'm like, I, I just, there's just something about being able to flip on the TV and have live TV there. It's still, it still matters to me. I don't know why I have no, you know, I, I like to talk about how I'm, I'm, I'm a person of logic, but I'm clearly, you know, 
I, 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 there's just that emotional attachment for no reason, you know. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what you'll notice because I, I saw from your email that you two are a sports fan, mm-hmm. and we can talk about this a little bit if you want. Um, I cut the cord before the the word cord cutter was even a word. Okay. Um, maybe about ten or twelve years ago. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, at, at this point, uh. But the thing I noticed because I I'm a fan of the Winnipeg Jets. Okay. Okay. So the thing I noticed was I I got a streaming package for the for the hockey. Um what I noticed was when you're doing the streaming package, your relationship with that team changes dramatically. Really? Like yeah, because you're not you're no longer this is not casual entertainment. Right now, you're like, okay, I'm I'm gonna sit and watch this because I paid for it. Yeah. So I'm gonna sit here and watch this game, and then you have this if the if the season is not good, which those years it wasn't good. Sure. Right. I was like, okay, no, I'm not. I love this team, but I'll keep up with it on the radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I think that's gonna change sports a lot and i had a guest yeah. on that says yeah uh, what, what do they call it is it the esports is that the, is that the word i'm old <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah where they where you're basically watching them play play video games whether even if it's a sports game but they're they're playing video games and you're watching them play video games yeah i was not a fan of doing that except when i was in my college dorm room well that's um, what fine. you know what <laughs> One of my friends said, he goes, you guys have like sat in my living room and watched me play video games for decades. How come no one's paying me? I said, Maybe you need to be better. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but it's, it's, it's where... uncanny. What is? Just all of it. You know, I mean, so... So I now I'm not I, I'm I'm not going to mention uh, what football or basketball teams I root for because I still do have a Kickstarter up and I don't want to I don't have everybody go oh man he likes them forget him I'm not helping him now um, but uh, <laughs> but a you know a, a lesser known league is uh, the MLL Major League Lacrosse um, and uh, you know I've been I've been a fan for a number of years and I've been a a season ticket owner for the New York Lizards for I guess it's going to be six years now, right? Um, you know, we my my my, my wife uh, had us relocate to Long Island uh, about five and a half years ago, uh, and um, and so the it was kind of cool. You know, there's a team that's only about twenty minutes from the house, and so I've. Do they I've play been... in the old? Um, I'm sorry. Do they play in the old? Um, oh God. Uh, help me out. Um, who the lizards? So or my, my team? Where the Islanders play? No, no, no. no. So it's play. it's uh, it's outdoor. Um. So yeah. So they there oh. is an, so so there's so it's interesting. There's two leagues. There's the MLL and the NLL. Uh, the National Lacrosse oh. League is indoor, so they do play. So the uh, Nassau Coliseum. Um. That's uh. That's where the what's the team that came in last year? The Riptide. Yeah. Um. So the Riptide plays in in the Coliseum. Uh. And uh. The the New York Lizards play in short stadium uh on the campus of hofstra university and um and so what's been interesting is that you know i now i've i mean i've been a, a an espn insider and now it's i guess it's espn plus i've been subscribing since college which uh dear readers some of you may have been in diapers during that time sadly um 
so uh, you know the the whole thing with it now is that with a lot of the mentality of Major League Lacrosse. Um, you know, they've spent years and, and the leagues around, uh, I think it's 16 or 17 years. Um, they've spent a lot of time really focusing on kids and making it very family friendly and inexpensive enough for a family to afford to come without, you know, mortgaging the house. And they really, really do care about the kids. And they've, you know, they've raised a generation of fans and continue to. I mean, my my daughter has uh, what she has. She has two T-shirts. She's got a hat. Uh, I don't think I will probably get her a jersey next year. Um, and uh, and last season, I will obviously this year, you know, the season was in the bubble like everybody else did. Uh, but last year, she even started bringing her her lacrosse stick to to games. And, you know, and she will grow up to be a fan. But, you know, she's watched games in person and then we watch highlights online. And, you know, when I had reached out to ESPN and said, you know, I would love to see you guys put games on. It's like, Oh yeah, there we do all the games on ESPN three. I was like, what's ESPN three? Like, Oh, that's what, you know, that's what they call the, you know, what we call all of the the stuff that you can stream from the app. It's like, no kidding. And so like uh-huh. games that I've never really been able to see before. Cause you know, I mean, look, I, I care far more about the lizards than anybody else. Um, but I remember, you know, flipping on one day and it's like, Hey, you know, Baltimore's playing Boston. I'm like, cool. I'm, I'm going to watch this. You know, like we, we normally, the games tend to be on Saturdays. We had had a Thursday game. I think it was. And so it's like, Oh, Saturday, I don't have any, Oh, Hey, I can watch some lacrosse, you know? And, and I'm sitting there with it on my phone and then realizing, oh, I could totally cast this to the TV. So I could watch it on TV. It's just streaming through the app. And, you know, it, it's just, it is just something that it started to make me realize, you know what, they, they're appreciative for, for, you know, my tickets, you know, purchase, I'm sure. And the fact that I'm, you know, <laughs> like I'm wearing a lizard's hat today and, and I was wearing my lizard's uh, shorts uh, while working around the house yesterday and, um, you know, but that they're really looking more at my daughter and the fact that she's going to watch all of these games on, on, you know, on digital streaming. And it, it's just, it's kind of funny thinking about that, that that just, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, growing up like, you know, even now with the way that football is and, and at least they, they introduced, you know, the, the NFL package, um, where you can do the red zone and you can do the stuff all over the place, you know, years ago. But, but, you know, if you don't have that, you know, you're watching whatever Fox or NBC or CBS, you know, and the, you're just, you're watching the game that they put on for you. And to be able to go in and think about, you know, going around and watching the, the, the rest of the league growing up, that's just not a thing. And, uh, and so like just what sports is now, um, you know, my, my wife, my wife had us do the whole bundle cause we had Disney plus and ESPN and Hulu anyway. So we bundled and she keeps reminding me, she's like, you know, Hulu does have live sports. I was like, yeah, I've seen the commercials. Hulu has live sports. Hulu has live sports. Um, and I just, I don't know if I'm ready to cut yet, but I do think about that all the time that it's like, it's just, it is so different and, and just it's so different from how we grew up. It oh really yeah. Is. You know, it's I mean, listen, so different. They, I, I think about like I think about my my watching habits. Um, you know, I so I happen to be a huge fan of the show Dark Matter, uh, and and there were a couple of other shows on Sci-Fi that I was just I was really really keen on, and um, 
you know, in the what is dark I, matter? Tell me what that is. Oh, dark matter is great. Um, so, jeez, uh, there's there's <laughs> how do I do the dark matter synopsis? Um, so, uh, it's uh, from Joseph Malazzi, who also did um, uh, the you know the uh, the Stargate stuff, right? And um, this crew of this starship kind of wakes up one day and they've all got amnesia and it turns out that like somebody wiped their their memories and they've basically named themselves after the the number order that they woke up so they are one two three four five and six and they're starting to discover that they were pretty bad guys and so you know they're they're kind of traveling around the universe figuring out who they they were getting caught up in some some mischief and hijinks um, you know, and, and trying to do right. And it's this, I mean, it is just a, a beautiful landscape of, of science fiction, of space opera. It is, it is absolutely amazing. Um, and it may still, I think it's still on Netflix now. Um, but after the third season, sci-fi decided to cancel it on a cliffhanger. And it was, I mean, it was popular too. Um, you know, and, and was it one of those things where it was just too expensive to make? Or I'm not, I'm not entirely it... sure. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I know that happened at Terra Nova years ago. That they're like, yeah, it's a great show. Tons of people watch it. We can't afford to make it anymore. Um, but it's you know, Sci-Fi's <laughs> done that with a few things. You know, I thought I thought Krypton was okay. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. There was a show that I was watching that uh, it's like it was this corporate environment and you know if you if they execute your non-disclosure agreement they kill you and you know it, it just it was very very interesting as well um and uh and it had elements of, of a lot of other things that i've liked in it and that only lasts yeah. a season and so i've sort of gotten to the point where you know i don't i don't go to sci-fi network anymore sad to say to, to look for science fiction. You know, I mean, I, I look for it on Netflix. I look for it on, on Hulu. I look for it on Amazon. I mean, the boys is fantastic. Um, it's grisly. Uh, it is certainly not for everybody. Um, but like, you know, the boys is really great. And, and a lot of this other stuff, you know, these different movies that are coming out and, you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of, uh, folks are out there right now going, Oh, don't forget the Mandalorian. Oh, trust me. I won't forget the Mandalorian. Um, but you know, it's, it's all that stuff. If you think about it. Yeah. And it's not, the Watchmen. It, it's not, yeah. I mean, Watchmen's what is it? I don't know if it's on regular HBO or HBO max. Um, you know, and, Both. and yeah. <laughs> Both. So, you know, and, and that's been a little bit tough because, you know, Watchmen was intriguing for us, but you know, we did, we, we made some decisions and cutting, cutting the premium channels just sort of seemed like the no brainer because, we were doing so much between Netflix and Hulu and, and prime um, and, and Disney yeah. plus where it's just, but I mean, think so, about that, right? There are all these different services. So let's get I back never to your... seen an episode of Picard, which, which just kills me. So let's get back to your IP, sure. your intellectual property. Um, so what got you, I mean, you sound like a sci-fi kind of guy, but w- was there a moment that you, this, sort of story crystallized in your brain or what so uh interestingly this is this kind of stems from something that i had been playing with initially back in college um i mean way back when uh here here's a if i'm ever famous here's your your jeopardy trivia question 
Um, which, by the way, complete sidebar. I love Ken Jennings. I, I, I did sign the uh, the petition to try and get Lavar Burton. Uh, who knows if that'll happen? Um, but this uh, the series was originally called Wolf Brigade. Um, I I, I kind of have a thing for wolves, so everything was called Wolf something back when I was in college. Um, but uh, but you know I had I had sort of kind of played with it a bit, and something that I knew that was important to it was that you know it was a a small star system um and uh there were you know <clears throat> there were people on on the different planets and uh the you know the uh, he was a king at the time um but the king had uh three different children and and the three different children had three very very different ideas one of them very caught up in the religion one of them caught up in uh you know in, in like gladiator sport and and one of them caught up uh just in being you know the the heir to the throne and the leader of the wolf brigade right um and they they use these things called pul- pulse batons that was you know i've always I, i've always found um you know swords more interesting than the guns always have you know when we were kids and 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 we would go in the in the the woods and we'd go hiking around and I always had a stick and I always liked the idea of um, you know of, of sword fighting and you know Princess Bride and uh, as Mark Hamill would say uh, you know uh, space wizards and laser swords you know that stuff intrigues me so so the pulse baton what became the thing looked kind of like a baseball bat um, but you could also point it at somebody and shoot a you know a, a um, uh, like kind of a laser type projectile out of it. And, um, and so I, you know, I set it aside for a lot of years and then I kind of just started thinking about it again a few years ago. And I said, I was like, I don't want them to be humans. You know I mean? It's just, it's kind of cliche that there's humans, but there's gotta be a human element to it and some, you know, some kind of secrecy background or not even secrecy, just sort of like some mystery to it that. I kind of wanted it to be something that, so here, here's a big spoiler alert for anybody who, who is going to read Antares Ascended and it, it doesn't quite catch on all that quickly. Um, the Homins, H-O-M-Y-N, are a, they're an evolutionary combination between uh, volets, uh, which were these little creatures that end up being these purple fleshy bumps on, on the middle of the palms of, of Homins. And when three of them, uh, press themselves together, uh, they're able to have a shared mind space called Carva, right? So these volets, they combined with whatever mysterious race was the travelers, and travelers is in air quotes, right? Um, and you talk about travelers all the time. Well, spoiler it, the travelers were humans. But I wanted something that took us beyond just being normal humans, but could still be human society, human tendencies, and, and things that, you know, that, that shook up that way. Um, you know, I made all of the uh, all of the Hamans are, you know, their skin tones are shades of purple and maroon and pink. And, you know, and I, I wanted to make them a little bit different, but still retain stuff that makes sense for them to have humanistic tendencies. Um, and, and I, you know, just kind of started taking it from there. I've got, for whatever reason, uh, a, a, I guess I get obsessions from time to time. I've had a thing for cobalt over the last three or four years. Uh, like I, when I had to replace my, my wedding ring, I got a cobalt wedding ring. So like, I was like, Oh, cobalt's going to play an important role in this. And, um, you know, and I, I ditched the whole concept of wolf brigade because I decided, eh, there are no wolves here. 
Um, but, you know, I created animals and I created military structure and, um, you know, it's funny if you see the resource doc that, that I had created and that I work from, uh, I had gotten a tip years ago. Uh, so my best friend is, is, uh, an amazing writer. Um, he's worked in the TV industry a bit and he actually went back to school and got a degree in journalism and, and just really, really bright guy. Um, and he had always talked about, you know, show don't tell. And he talked about, you know, when you're writing, have your world be really extensive, but only show about 30% of it and, um, you know, and, and really work under this auspices of, I'm assuming that everybody around here knows that we don't have to talk about certain things. And that way the reader sorts sort of starts to pick it up as you go along. And so that, you know, that, that really led to, I was like, I wanted to do something more like that. Something that was very different that you've never heard of these planets before. You've never heard of these people before, you know, in some respects, you've never heard of the roles, you know, it's not an emperor, it's an archon. Um, you know, uh, it, you're not swords, there aren't guns, they're pulse, uh, pulse batons and just, you know, different things where I can change a few things here and there to fit what I want them to be. And it just, it sort of snowballed from there. And I'm, I mean, I'm having so much fun with it. I actually split it into two storylines uh, about a year ago. So, you know, the two main warring factions are House Antares and House Virachoa. And so they all have, they both have their own, you know, th their own storylines going that intermingle, of course, a lot, but then, you know, diverge quite a bit as they are right now. And, you know, it's just, it's something that I really want to explore this universe. And the ideas just kind of keep popping. So <laughs> I keep writing. Why do you suppose that we're drawn to uh, universes where we don't see everything? Because you're right. Those are some of your more, your better stories. Like, like for example, in that movie I was telling you about earlier that uh, I think we're alone now. Okay. Some of the craziest parts of that movie you never actually saw. Like, so you never saw the, yeah. One of the things that marked it out was you never actually saw the post -apoc the apocalyptic event. Exactly. Like you what, know, you know, like I refer to the War of Lords a lot, um, but I've never actually taken them through it. And and I may you know I, I may write a book one day or do a miniseries you know a spinoff or whatever about the War of Lords, you know, further on down the line. But there's a, um, I don't know if you noticed in my, my email signature line, there's a quote from Isaac Asimov. It says, the true delight is in the finding out rather in the knowing. And I've, I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, I mean, I've, I've watched my parents get lost in, in the mystery novels that they read. Um, and I mean, I, I just remember for, for years and years, there were stacks of Ellery Queen. Ellery Queen was, um, you know, this uh, uh, paperback magazine that came, like a uh, periodical or whatever, came, I guess, maybe once a month that they had subscription to and all these different mystery stories in there. And, um, you know, and just, just when I found a story that it was a sci-fi, I don't know if you've read the, the what's it, the Quadrail a uh, series by um, by Timothy Zahn, where it's like, oh wow, this is like it's sci-fi, but it's mystery. This is cool, and I plowed through that so fast, um, you know. And and then you know his Dragonback series. It's another six books that I recently, you know, and I just plowed through. And there's something about 
like the discovery and trying to figure things out. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you read Ready Player One. I happen to be uh, currently in the middle of re- reading Ready Player Two, and um, my wife and I have to keep checking on which page the other one's at, so we know who's allowed to talk about what to each other. But we we love just the whole trying to figure out. Oh, what do you think that was? Hey, why do you think this is? And and there's something I think about reading and and watching and just the whole the reveal and could I figure it out before someone else did it? It's why wheel of fortune is still so ridiculously popular. You know, I mean, we, we, we watch it in my house every night. You know I mean? My, my, my daughter has now gotten keyed into, Ooh, we watch jeopardy followed by wheel of fortune here. And, and like, and she loves it because she loves trying to figure out now she doesn't do as well on jeopardy yet. She's in first grade, but you know, with Wheel of Fortune, she loves trying to figure out the words and see if she can understand and match the clues. And, you know, and it's it's just those those little things right there that I think it really just draws us to that. Because, you know, I mean, I, I, we're, you know, being, being of a similar age, I'm wondering if we had parents of a similar uh, mold where my parents, you know, used to talk to, about like free stuff versus stuff that you worked for, that you earned. And it's like, if I just give it to you, if I show you everything in this world, then are you going to appreciate it as much as, you know, if I show it to you on page 150 versus on page 12, isn't there more appreciation for it? Because you go, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. I, there had to be that there. There just had to be, you know, and it's like that reaction. I love having that reaction when I'm reading or watching. And I love the idea that someone else is going to have that reaction if they're reading something that I've written. Well, you know, the thing with me and my parents is like, we're, we're all in the mysteries around here, but, uh, where, I mean, I like the old, the original Sherlock Holmes, not the original, but uh, the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) I really like those a lot, but what I like is like the wire and like, uh, True Detective, and which I don't know if you've seen True Detective, but I've seen a little bit of it. But yeah, it's 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 exactly that, right? It's like the oh my god, you know, like it's it's just holding back. I love it. What's so crazy about True Detective is like, as much as I love mysteries, as much as I love those those type of detective procedural stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, there's kind of a a format if you will like there's there's usually a detective that's like sherlock holmes right and then there's like somebody else the detective is is with okay but neither one of them is like incompetent or sure you know what i'm saying like neither neither one of them messes up or is incompetent or whatever right not true detective <laughs> you know not true detective it, it, it just felt more authentic more real it's like more how do like... you not see this like hello you know i mean and it's but but that but that's more life and and i think that that's oh, what it yeah is. yeah and what's crazy is when you watch at least the first season when you watch the first season again yep it still kind of hits it still kind of kind of comes off you know yeah See, it's so cool. It, it's stuff like that, you know. I mean, look, my my first my, my first literary love was uh, Encyclopedia Brown. Um, 
You know, it's like, oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, going way back to the old days, sitting and uh, oh, yeah. watching encyclopedia or reading encyclopedia Brown and, and, and listening to Sultan's a swing by dire straits. Like that's, <laughs> that's, Oh, you too, huh? Oh my God. Yeah, that's <laughs> the old days for me, man. I love dire straits, man. Yeah. I love dire straits. Um, so what do you think, uh, like talk to me about a little bit about how do you think the technology in the future is going to be like how do, how do you think the pandemic is going to shape our technology you know i i think that there is there is a sense of so here let me take a step back um i know a lot of folks over the last few years who have decided to start uh getting off of facebook um you know, and, and, and it's interesting when people talk about, oh, I'm taking a break from social media. They usually mean Facebook, right? Um, and and the talk has been around. It's like, oh, you know, well, like I need to really connect with people. And and Facebook, the, you know, they've talked about it, it prohibiting that. Um, and I know that Facebook has tried to take take steps over the last few years to go, oh, crap, we got to do stuff to make sure that people can, you know, get together, right? And, and so then with this pandemic, um, you know, if you if you just look at the way that we've gone through all of this like here i'll give you give you a very very simple i just just looked it up because i was curious so on december 9th 2019 uh zoom uh zoom video communications their stock was just under 66 dollars and looking at it right now it's 410 dollars oh my god (laughs) yeah exactly it'll be on the dow later i swear to god there you go. And, and there's really, there's really good reason for it because what zoom allows us to do, what Slack allows us to do, um, you know, what, what even, you know, I, I was a long time, like I was a Google Hangouts guy and, you know, these allow us to, to, to talk to each other and see each other. You know I mean? I was, I was on zoom calls all the time for work beforehand, but now it's just, you know, I put something on LinkedIn the other day. I was like, you know, something that, that really seems to, to, to kind of unify us is this idea that we're all on these calls. And if, if my daughter comes walking into the office uh, to ask me something, or if somebody else has a jackhammer going outside their window, or, you know, their dogs are barking or whatever it is, we just sort of shrug it off as like, hey, yeah, you know, it's just life. And, and that we're, it's kind of becoming more of a unified mentality again. Um, it's like, Oh, we've got to, we've got to have some sort of, Oh my God, I can't believe I can't, you know? And so all of this hurt, like, you know, I used to joke, Oh yeah, I'm a hermit. I spend most of my time in my, in my home office. Oh my God. Am I not a hermit? Oh my God. Do I actually miss people more than I ever thought I was going to. And, um, (laughs) You know, it's like we, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a huge, huge basketball fan. And the fact that, um, you know, I had wanted to have certain friends over for the NBA draft. Couldn't do it. Um, You know, my wife is, my wife's a far bigger NFL fan than I am. And uh, it's why I was able to to, to do a a podcast interview at at 4 p.m. on Sunday. And she said, are you nuts? I'll come up and I'll watch the second half of the game. It'll be okay. Um, but for her to not be doing a, a Super Bowl party this year and, and like, she's just yeah. trying to think, it's like, I like, do we just like, do we order some wings and just hang out? Like I'm not, I mean, she's a chef. 
she she is used to like preparing for an army and and now we're not you know and it's like we we're we're coming to realize like wow we like we really miss interaction with people and so i do believe that there will be a lot of technology for one thing that we'll look to try and find ways to unify um you know ways that that and again you know uh, around What's Around that? here, they call them food halls. Uh, I don't know what they call them up where you are, but it's like a, a imagine a food court, but without the mall. Right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I've, food, I've, you know, there's there. I know there's there's a couple in New York City know. that I've been to. I don't know if there are any where where I live now, but um, and and I've seen some. Like there was one in San Francisco that I've been to. Yeah, like those are. Those I wonder are awesome. if that's gonna. I wonder yeah. if that's going to pick up a lot more, like a I'm, lot more. I'm hopeful it is, you know, so that, that you know. like people will learn to, to interact and it's, but it's the sort of stuff like, I think that um, I could see very easily folks like match.com and, and, and others of that similar having spinoffs where it's, you know, kind of like, um, who is it? Meetup. Right. Where it's like, oh, I right. want to I want to find people who are into this because it's not that I'm looking for a date, but I'm looking for more people who I can connect with that I can be friends with that, you know, maybe I can't see them all the time. But if I can see them, you know, once every couple of weeks or once a month in person and then be able to keep up with them like through Zoom and through FaceTime and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and, and I'm I'm also just like, I think that there's going to be you know, as this has happened, right. Um, I'll be curious to see if there is a change to medical technology. Um, you know, just, just the concepts of delivery and, and I want to see if there's a change to infrastructure. Um, you know, I have, I've long, long believed and, and, you know, a couple of my closest friends, uh, have a very similar thing that we think that the next, um, the next great job boom is actually going to be space race stuff. And I think that a lot of this, you know, I, I know everybody's caught up in the idea. Let's go to Mars. Let's go to Mars. Let's go to Mars. Why the space race? So, exactly. So so I'll tell you. Okay. Okay. Um, now I think, I think the idea of, uh, of Mars is a wonderful concept. Um, and, and I, with all of the things that have gone on over the last, last 50 years, I, by no means, uh, would ever say, oh, that's never going to happen. I think it's too soon, and I think it's a it's a silly overreach um, at this time. Uh, I just lost a whole bunch of Kickstarter backers there, I'm sure. Um, but but the thing that that I that I kind of look to is is um, there's this big gray rock that keeps circling our planet, and I think that that we'll be seeing. And, and for anybody who's watched the Space Force. Um, uh, Steve Carell and, and John Malkovich show. Uh, well, it's funny. Um, I think it kind of hits on something where it's the idea of going back to the moon and, and setting up camp. Um, and I think that the to me the idea of construction of orbital platforms because hey, it takes a lot of fuel to just leave Earth, and so a mission to Mars trying to you know fire off just from Earth. As opposed to, hey, we can build everything out in space, ferry the people and the supplies up, and then it takes a lot less power to fire off to Mars from there. That if you've got, you know, if you've got stuff in the moon and the idea of the the slingshot being the control of that and having people 
regularly living on the moon, I think that it opens up new new advancements for technology. I mean, think about the original space race and all the technology that came out of that. You know, I mean, and and for anybody who goes, yeah, Tang, that's further down on the list. Um, but well, the thing about, I mean, the thing I know about Tang's awesome, Colin- but still. Yeah, well, the thing about colonization, like, because I'm a history person. Sure. So the thing about colonization, for the European powers to colonize, and they weren't exactly powers when they started colonizing. Sure. But the reason they colonized was because they had motivations. For for Spain, it was, in some ways, it was the Queen Isabella was uh, basically somebody who was deeply Catholic, who genuinely, apparently genuinely wanted to convert the Indians. And there were all, or, I'm sorry, the natives. Yep. And there were also, you know, other things like maybe we can find spices and roots to Asia and blah, blah, blah. But really, she really honestly did, as corny as it sounds today, want to convert the natives to Catholicism. Now, with the English, I mean, they were in it for the money. Oh, yeah. Right. So for me, for us to colonize Mars or the moon or wherever, there's got to be some kind of driver. There's got to be some kind of economic or cultural driver or what have you. And I, I mean, it's going to have to be pretty powerful. Yeah. You know. See, see, I, the way I look at it is this, right? There's talk about mining asteroids. Okay. Um, okay. You know, and and it's like okay, you want to mine asteroids? Let's let's see if you can survive in space at all. All right, you need, and it's got to be more than a handful of people living in the International Space Station. Like you, you have to show that you can legitimately have a bunch of people able to go do this. If you're telling me you want a full scale mining operation. And, you know, I, so, so I very much believe that, that the economic aspect of it is a huge part of it. Um, I think that the, the bragging rights aspect, right. Who's going to be the first one to have somebody on, you know, you'll be hearing the, oh, it's the first, this, it's the first, that who's going to be the first one to, 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 to be able to set up shop on the moon and how China would do it for bragging rights. What's that? I mean, China. China, if anybody does it for bragging rights, it'll either be China, Russia, or India. Sure. I don't think it'd be us. I think it'd be China, Russia, or India. No. So so China, Russia, or India for, for bragging rights makes sense. But uh, for but but the U.S. for the, oh, no, you are not. No, we can do that too, right? So the we 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 have we've got an interesting sense of righteous indignation in this nation. So, you know, the idea that somebody else was able to get there first instead of us. We may not care about the bragging rights initially, but we sure as heck would, would care about it, you know, once we found out that we didn't get there first. And, right. and it's, you know, it's it's little things like that um, that I, I, I truly do believe that, that this is something that will be a driver for, um, you know, for, for, for future technology and for, um, you know, for just the different interesting applications of things that come out. Don't forget, you know, they talk about the rare earth metals. Well, we got to go find other stuff because we're going to run out and then you're not going to have iPhones anymore. And that's when society collapses, uh, mostly from a lot of angry teenagers. 
Um, Cypher, that'd be funny. I mean, not funny, but that that would be a reason. Oh yeah, but I mean, eh. but then you talk. I mean, you also talk about though, you know, and and you can see this in a lot of stuff. So, um, what was it? I I recently finally got around to reading Nemesis, um, and uh, you know, talking about there's a lot of talk in that about you know just the overcrowding of the world, and and I mean, listen. The, the rate that we go, um, you know, and, and there's your COVID conspiracy again, right? But the rate that we go, there's there's a lot of extra people around here. And, um, you know, to, to be able to go and say, hey, we're, we're going to go find other places to be. And you have to st- – that's the big thing to me, right? You have to start somewhere. And, and it's kind of the idea of going straight for Mars – is sort of like, okay, well, I made it through elementary school. I don't need any of that secondary stuff. Let's, I'm, I'm going to go pick out a university and, and let's, let's get this show on the road, you know, and that's, that's not realistic. So I, I think that in order to get there from here, it's just, it's something you have to do. And so I, I do believe that that's something that's going to happen. I, and I believe that it will be able to create a lot of jobs, um, you know, I think it will create a lot of very interesting new technology, which will then in turn create new manufacturing and more jobs. And so, you know, I, I look at that a lot and, and I think about, you know, what technologies are we not exploring and what are we, what are we holding too tightly to from, from the old days? I mean, think about the concept of, um, an electric car that was laughable, even, you know, 10 years ago, the idea of, of electric car, electric cars suck. They got no power They're, you know, and people laugh about them. Whereas now, or maybe 15 years ago, whereas now it's like, you got to get on a waiting list for a Tesla. And I, I, I can't afford a Tesla, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know who makes what, <laughs> but I know I certainly could not go out and, and, and like, and afford to get a Tesla, you know, cool as it might be. And, and it's, you know, because it's, it's like, it's just, it's like this badge of, yeah, that's right. I got a Tesla. And, and like, it's, it's awesome that that's a thing. And I imagine that in the not distant future, there's going to be a lot more than that and that the prices bet- are going to come down and they're not going to be just the, the luxuries and stuff like that. You know, I'll bet you anything that you said your daughter's what, five, six. Yeah. I'll bet you anything in 10 years, you'll be teaching your daughter how to drive on some kind of battery operated car. Oh, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, and and it's, it's cool. Yeah. But the thing I think with that, so the thing I think with that is, I mean, the charger stations, right? It's not going to be like gas stations. You know, that you're not, you're not going to, they're not going to have charger stations literally everywhere. At least not not in my lifetime, I wouldn't think. Yeah, probably not. But eventually, you know, you know, and that's but that that's what it is. You know, again, start thinking about, and that's that's why it's that's why it's remarkable, right? Just the the technology and the things that we things that we've dismissed for so long that that hit later, right? Um, you think about ebooks, right? The, the idea of ebooks and um, and when MP3s were first around, people were like, oh, jeez, I don't want to. This is no, 
you know, and, and now to try and imagine a world without that. It, it's, it's just these things that sometimes it takes the right, you know, charismatic leader to, to, to get you thinking, oh yeah, that's it. You know, I mean, I will never forget, and my God, am I going to age myself here. Um, so, uh, uh, dear young listeners, there was a band once called the Rolling Stones. Actually, they're still around, so hopefully everybody still knows who they are. Um, and, uh, and at one point, you know, there was this, this company, Microsoft. I'm sure a lot of folks have heard of them. And Microsoft was putting out their brand new operating system, Windows 95. And everything began by pressing the start button, which at this point we just take for granted. It's just, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just the logo. Yeah, exactly. But, but back then, like it was, it was this big deal and they had this marketing campaign and it was all about, you press the, like the, the person would, would click the button and the Rolling Stones start me up would begin playing. And it was, oh, yeah, all right. This is like, yeah, this is rocking. And it's like, oh, oh, my God, something like, and I, I remember people who used to think, oh, you're so nerdy. You're so dumb. You know, you're into computers. And then people seeing that and getting so into it, like, oh, this is awesome, man. Have you seen this? Do you know about this Windows thing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar. You know, <laughs> but you know, we, we, we do joke about my, my buddies and I talk about, it's like, yeah, we were nerds before it was cool to be a nerd, but it, it's that sort of stuff that it's, somebody has to, somebody has to dream it up as not just could this be a good thing, but how do I convince people that this is a good thing? And how do you convince people that they need it? Yeah. You know, my, my, my sister had, my sister actually said something about phones that is amazing. My sister so in the family, like I'm the nerd, I'm the one that's into technology, blah blah sure. blah. My, my sister's not the nerd at all, uh, but she said, um, "I told I had to first of all I had to tell her what a killer application was, right, <laughs> right, and then I had to teach her about like you might not remember this, you might you might have not been aware, maybe you were, but do you remember when the Newton came out? Oh yeah. Now think about okay now. Those were on the same time as the Palm Pilot, right? Right, right. Which came first, the Newton or the BlackBerry? I thought it was the. I thought the Newton came out first. The Newton came first. Okay, right. Now I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. Now think about, think about what the Newton was. Right. You could, you could do everything. You could do almost pretty much. I mean, maybe you couldn't listen to podcasts or whatever, but, you know, like you could organize, you could type something, you could email something, right? Okay? But you couldn't call on it, okay? Yeah. So, essentially, what what Steve Jobs did was he took, like, the... He took the Newton and gave it the ability to call people. Yeah. Right? And that's a smartphone. Okay. So, I tell my sister what a killer application was, and she said... Well, Ben, the killer app is the people you call. The killer app for a smartphone is the people you call or you text or whatever. And I was like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I never thought of that. That You're the killer app for this phone. <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I, will raise, I will raise you something that's, that's even funnier 
based on that I think feeds directly into what you just said about the Newton and and this this whole concept here. All right. So I used all to right. work for I used to work for for a uh, a chat company, um, and about let's say five years ago, I think the CEO during one of our town halls explained that uh, I don't know if it was a Gardner report or, or um, who like who had uh, done the research, but it was learned through talking to and surveying all these different folks that on smartphones, I mean, the word phone is in the, the title of what the device is on smartphones that phone was only the sixth most used app across just all of the different wow. people who they think about that and this right was five years ago this is yeah, this is about five years ago that I remember hearing that and and so I believe they also said that number five on the list so phone calling people was number six number five was setting your alarm clock so Damn. people were more interested in using their smartphone as an alarm clock than as a phone. Wow. That's and, amazing. You know, and that's just something that, that like, you don't, and again, it's, it's just who in the, like, why would you just ever. Out of curiosity, what was number one? Uh, I think, I think it was text. That makes total sense. Yeah. That actually makes a hell of a lot of sense. I, I remember. Uh, but I would have article... thought phone was three. Oh yeah, no phone is like you know. I I remember an article years ago three. where it was. Um, they said that that there were there were some scientists who were wondering if uh, because of texting, humans were going to suddenly evolve to to have like a different perspective on their thumb, or you know, have some sort of appendage shift as as like as the next evolutionary change because of texting and you know i i don't know i'm i i, I you know what that reminds research, me of i mean you know what that reminds me of a lot when i was in grad school i was sitting in this classroom and we were learning about psychology okay and i was in this classroom with basically i was the only person in this class who was not at the time somebody who worked in the school system okay right like everybody else was pretty much a, a they had a, a bachelor's degree understanding of psychology, right? So they were like a cut above where I was with psychology, totally. Um, but somebody, there was a speaker in this class, and the speaker said that people are getting smarter, like people are getting smarter, and, and basically said there will be no more stupid people, all right? He literally said that. Not not like a day or anything, but eventually there will, we will just evolve out of being stupid. Okay. That'd be cool. And I, I think about that now, and I think, no. <laughs> what's going to happen is that all the smart people, and this is where he's coming from, right? Yeah. All the smart people, even when he said that, were living amongst themselves. And so all the people he could test were smarter than the stupid people he couldn't test. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm, I mean, look, our thumb, you know, 
as as amazing as smartphones are, most humans don't have a smartphone. Like yeah. most, you know. Oh, of course not. You know, you know, just saying. And people forget that it's, you know, kind of goes back to, to what I was talking about earlier about the fact that like, you forget that not everybody has had your experiences. And, and, and I think that that is, again, that's something that a lot of people really do forget that it's like, Hey, people are different. And, and there are things that, um, you know, I, I just because of, of the different companies that I worked for over the years, it's like, um, not being a New York city guy, not being a, you know, a lower New York guy. I have experiences that I grew up with that, you know, some of the other folks who I've worked with are like, really, you, how did you not do that? You know, there are people. So where did you grow up in the world? So I grew up, uh, I, we, we are really setting it up. So it's going to be incredibly easy for, for someone to start figuring my passwords, I'm assuming. Um, so it's a good thing. I don't talk about any of this stuff in my passwords. Um, and, and now there's some hacker who went, oh, yeah. Uh, so I grew up in Middletown, <laughs> New York, um, which is uh, okay, kind of is at that the foot upstate of New York, the, uh... the Catskill Mountains. It, uh, people call it upstate, but if you look at where the state is, <laughs> then not really. You know, it's the lower Hudson Valley, um, yeah. probably about 60 miles north of Manhattan. How is that different from New York? How is that different from New York City, per se? So, so that's the thing. It's like, I mean, to me, um, you know, public transit was never really a thing, uh, which is, you know, I've got friends who to them, it's like taking, taking the subway to school was just a norm. And I hadn't actually been on a subway until I'm not even sure how old I was, but I, uh, I was probably in college the first time I was on a subway. Um, you know, that they're just the, the idea of, of, you know, I grew up with, you know, fields around us as opposed to, you know, and like there are cuisines that I had never even heard of much, much less tried, you know, at certain ages and, um, you know, just different things that, that people who I had never met types of people that I had never met. And, and I remember, you know, being asked like, how do you not like, wasn't there anyone like this where you're from? No. You know, and it, it's, it's just, and even like, even now, you know, living on Long Island, um, there will be times where somebody will say something, you know, and there are a lot of the folks here who are, who, who are, you know, just, they've lived almost their entire lives on Long Island and they'll say something and I either won't react the way they're expecting or won't react at all. And you know, and then invariably there's the, oh, right, you're not from here, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's interesting <laughs> that way. And it's, and I, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't really, I try not to take offense to it, um, but it's kind of funny, you know, I mean, I had that with, you know, I now having been, you know, working in, in the, you know, in the internet world for so long, um, man, so geez, like 20 years now um, that, I've got friends in different countries. I've got friends, you know, all around here. And, and so, you know, people from California who are surprised that I don't, you know, I haven't done certain things, friends from the Midwest that are surprised that I haven't had certain interactions and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting thing um, that, you know, I, and it's been kind of cool because when I moved home or when I moved back to New York, from um from from texas you know and and drove across the country 
Um, and got to see, or, you know, I mean, you know, halfway across the country anyway, got to see all of these things that, that a lot of people don't realize. And, uh, you know, when my best friend moved home from California and, you know, we, we drove, uh, through and I mean, getting a chance to, to drive across the Texas panhandle, which is something that I had never done before getting to drive through New Mexico and, and seeing, you know, all of just just the the beauty of the countryside and that folks just don't know that that's out there and they've got such you know different senses of what this could be what different people would think and what life is like and it's it's just funny that like so many folks have no idea other than you know if a show happens to be set there um, you know, that, that like people know about about uh, uh, New Mexico because of breaking bad. You know, it's like, okay, but, you know, it's, it's like, that's a show about one, you know, set of people and that's not what life is. You know, do and, you think that's one of the reasons, I'm sorry, do, do no, you no, think go ahead, that's go one of the reasons, um, like that we have such the political divide and such the, the social divide that we have that we're just, we lose the ability to, uh, to like, we live in different worlds, essentially. Yeah. Broadly speaking. We we really do. Yeah. Um there's a there's a Twain quote out there. Um uh and I, I I will completely butcher it if I try to get it right. Uh but it's essentially talking about how um travel is is something that, that kills um you know just isms. And that yeah. like you can't it's once you actually get to see where, where folks are and what they're living through and, and what they're dealing with that, you know, you, you have to, at some point start to, to figure like, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have said that. You know, like I, I try to make yeah. it a very, very, um, you know, concerted effort, for instance, not to use the phrase flyover States because Honestly, it's right. it's really it's really offensive. Like when you think about it, you know, people people joke about it, but it's offensive to say, you know, to, to suggest that there are states in this country that have no value other than those are the ones that you're flying over. And it's, you know, that's not the case. There's there's some really really cool stuff in a lot of places. I mean, my God, I would tell you if if uh, for anybody, whether it's you or anyone else, if you've never been to to Memphis, Tennessee. That is beyond a shadow of a doubt one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, well, like know. one of the things, not just traveling that, it, but podcasting. Yeah. Like I talked, I talked to somebody the other day. Um, I talked to two people back to back. That literally, I was like, "Oh my god, that's just the, that experience that you're telling me is just." First of all, I've never had that experience. Second, sure. I've never had anything like it. And third. That would that's crazy. That's literally crazy. I can't even imagine having that in my catalog of things that used to happen. Oh yeah. Like, you know, like this guy, um he talked about being an EMS, like in a place where where pills were like a big deal, mm -hmm. like in his community. And just the day to day reality of that. And you're just like, oh my God. Like that's insane. And then I talked to a lady who accidentally covered, or she didn't accidentally, but she was a, a journalist who happened to be in Venezuela 
when the coup happened in 2002. Wow. And the thing that I got out of that was, first of all, that happened quick. Yeah. That happened real fast, number one. And number two, like, it's just, it's amazing, you, you know. Yeah, okay, it was une- it's an unequal society. It was a very unequal society. It was a very stratified situation, sure. But the thing, it just, it really gives you this level of empathy for, for people that are fleeing that and how oh, yeah. they don't want to vote Democrat <laughs> because anything less than, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't want anything called socialism. Yeah, there's, there's fear and it's, but that's, that's actually, that's why I said before, you know, like the idea that it's not just that something has to be a good idea. It's that you have to have the right person to sell the idea because yeah. the greatest idea in the world goes nowhere without, without the right salesperson. Um, I mean, listen, is as, as silly as this is, right. And this is, I mean, certainly pales in comparison to, to, you know, to being around a coup. But um, when I first graduated from college and I, I, you know, went off to, to, to Austin, Texas, um, you know, for, for a lot of folks, I was the first Yankee anyone had ever met before. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was weird, you know, being called the Yankee. I was like, Hey, I grew up a Phillies fan. Um, but you know, it's like, that's not what we mean. You're from New York. And they all wanted me to say, you know, friends was popular. So they want they all wanted me to say, how you doing? Like <laughs> Joey Tribbiani, I'm afraid. Come on, man. Yeah. Say, how you doing? And, um, and, uh, and, and I remember, I mean, it was, it was great. I, I, I tend to pick up accents, uh, just sort of organically and a little too quickly to the point where, um, you know, I'm just, I sort of drop into them and don't even realize I'm doing it, but it's just because I'm talking to friends who have those accents and, um, so they, you know, they kept saying, they kept pushing in, pushing and pushing and pushing. And I finally turned around. I was like, fine. How you doing? They're like that, that ain't funny. New York. Don't talk like that. Like, I don't know guys. Like you, you keep telling me that this is what you want me to say. And I'm not doing it the way that you want me to like, but you know, like, like friends though, man. I was like, and I, I drew them a picture of New York state. And I mean, I obviously was piss poor because, but it was on a whiteboard. I drew a picture of New York state. I said, here is where Joey is from friends. Here is where Gary is from. You know, and I was like, let me, let me zoom in a little different world. You know, I was like, let me, let me draw you a quick map. Here's where I grew up. Here's my elementary school. Here's the dairy farm that was in between both of us, you know? And they, they're like dairy farm. I'm like, yeah. Haven't you guys ever been around a dairy farm before? No. Where the hell are you from? (laughs) I'm like, I'm not from the city. I'm just, you know, and it was, and it was funny because, you know, for a few of them, like it was. It was this. They just assumed everybody from New York was yeah. from. The, and it, the, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it had just it sort of it changed yeah. their understanding of of you know of what somebody right. could be, and, and you know, and for for my experience, I mean, I was, I guess, I was sort of waiting for. I mean, like nobody was wearing cowboy hats, and <laughs> you know, it was just it's like wow, every, it's all just sort of normal, like you know, it just business as usual and and there's just people working and 
You know what I mean? The only difference is that, hey, you guys curse a lot more than people do at home. But <laughs> that was about it, you know? And yeah. and it's it's just it's it's so strange that as a nation we have so little concept of what our fellow Americans are doing and what they're what they're living through and and why they think certain ways and um and a lot of us aren't interested in 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 hearing you know um we're not I, interested in really learning what yeah our fellow and that's one of the i love okay i started out doing a deep dive history podcast a la dan carlin okay or okay somebody like that but the more i get into it the thing I really like doing is talking to other people about what their life is like and what are they into and what are they doing and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people will say to me, Oh no, I, I would waste your time on this podcast. And I'll be like, the only person you need to worry about as far as entertaining is me. <laughs> and I'm fascinated. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, mean, I, it, I get it. I do. I, I, I very much it, get it. And I know I know for a fact, because of how successful this podcast is, I know for a fact that people like that, that people like to listen to other people talk. Just how that how that is. How is your life? I just want to ask you one more thing. And sure. Then, and however long this goes is however long it goes. Okay. But you had said that there are good ideas out there that haven't been sold properly. Yep. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. What's one or two good ideas that haven't been sold properly? One or two ideas that haven't been sold properly. Um, I still can't believe the fact that, that people make fun of me because I like my Microsoft Zune. But may, maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's not the one to bring up now. Um, I, I do think that... Um, you know, ideas behind alternative energy uh, just haven't been sold properly. Um, you know, we... I think, well, you know what? Good. You say you're 43. Yep. Uh, if you talk to people younger than us, mm-hmm. they have been sold properly. They haven't been sold properly to, to our age, maybe. Yeah. To, to maybe our parents' age and grand, but as far as people younger than us, they're they're way on board. Yeah, and it, and it may um, be you know it may just be a generational thing, right? Um, you know, again, you get you I, get into stuff like ebooks, I, where yeah. you know back in the day, the idea of an ebook was, oh, why would I want to stare at a computer screen to read a book? Or you know, the idea of Netflix back in the day of streaming, like oh my god, why would I want to watch television on you know on a computer screen? So it very much could be generational. Um, and I also think we're basically one or two terrible disasters away from at the right time, like oh yeah. truly terrible disasters where you have to, um, like if Galveston happened, like if the Galveston hurricane happened again, mm-hmm. like where Galveston literally was destroyed, sure, like literally actually destroyed. Um, if that happened again, but for metal and concrete, right? Yeah. I really think we would... That, okay, global warming. What is that? Okay, hang on. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> and that's what it yeah. is. It's, it's the... I, I, think that, I think that human beings 
need to hear what's in it for them. Um, and it's just, it's just a natural thing, right? I think the human beings need to, to understand what's in it for them. Um, and, and there is always going to be somebody who can trot out numbers or research or something that dispels 99% of what's out there. And so there will be folks who will hone in on that one thing, um, you know, and, yeah. and they will, they will like, it's like dog with a bone. Right. Um, so you're never going to get complete agreement from folks. Uh, that's just, you know, we're, we're human. It's not our nature. Um, but that's why I actually, funny enough, something that, that I believe, uh, and it's, it seems like it's getting there, um, to some smaller degree, but the idea of legalization of marijuana, I think has not been, it's, it's taken such a long time because so many people say stuff like, oh, but it's got such great health applications or, oh, you know, it's got the same effect as alcohol and, and you know, and it's, or the, oh, it's not really a big deal or it's not really a gateway drug, you know, and, and those are the arguments that people have used for ages. And it's just like, it's, it's so slow to come. I mean, yes, now we've got a bunch of states who are, um, you know, who are trying to make a go at it. But again, like, you know, in New York state, it is tremendously regulated and it's, it's medical only. Right. And, um, now I will, I will, I will be perfectly honest. Uh, I am not a pot smoker. I've never been a pot smoker. Um, but I also don't get like, I, I don't really like the idea of getting drunk. That's not a feeling that I crave. Uh, but what I am is I'm a taxpayer. Um, and, uh, I don't care if you are a Republican or a Democrat, if you are conservative or a liberal, which by the way, uh, you know, I happen to believe that, uh, the first pair are, uh, political parties. The second pair, uh, are ideologies and, and they're not mutually exclusive. Um, but I don't care what your political leanings are. If you're living in this country and you're paying taxes, I feel like most people would not be horrified at the idea of, Hey, maybe I don't need to pay as much taxes. Right. So how do you, how do you, you know, put that other decriminalize on the federal level, decriminalize marijuana and, um, and, and allow States to make their own decisions and do it from a very simple concept to my mind of dude, it's jobs, there's revenue. And you put safeguards in place because, hey, alcohol is big business, wineries and distilleries and breweries, and there's a lot of money to be made there. Yeah. And, and there's a lot, of be, a lot of money then to come from taxes. And yes, there are people who abuse it. There always will be people who abuse things. There are people who abuse gambling. There are people who, ab- my God, I, I like the fact that I have to go and show my ID at the pharmacy if I want to buy Robitussin. Um, and I, I remember the yeah. first time that happened, I was like, what do you mean I got to show you my ID for Robitussin? I was like, I've like, it's obvious I'm snotting all over the place. I have a massive head cold. Like I'm miserable here. Why do you need to see my ID? Like I'm going to, I'm not taking here's it like at home and like, oh, well people use a great it for way drugs. to date. I was like, people, what now? Like, really? <laughs> I mean, here's a great way to date yourself. Yeah. Here's a great way to date yourself. Do you remember, are you, I remember when Theraflu used to work years old. 
Like I literally remember. Yeah. Theraflu used to work. Oh, it was the greatest stuff. You could be, you could be practically on death's door, cook yourself up some Theraflu. And the next day, Thank it's you. like nothing happened. You're like, I'm good. I'm back to normal. Like it's, and dude, the old as days. As long as you hit your dosages, COVID at this point. Right. As long as you hit your dosages of Theraflu, yeah, you were good. I mean, I am that old. I, I literally yeah. remember when Theraflu used to work. But that's and the thing. Now it's, it's like, like now it doesn't it's, work. Well, but and, and it's because you like you have to change stuff. There are always going to be abusers. And, and I get. I mean, I get it. I, yeah. I live. Where they used to make, I lived where they make meth. Okay. And I lived there right when they started making it. And I get it. I, I get why you had to dumb Theraflu down. Yeah. <laughs> because but it's, but it's still man. like, it's, it's that thing that I think that, you know, there will always be arguments about, it, but that's, you know, it's, you get the arguments with, um, uh, with with prisons like i don't want we need more prisons okay we'll build it over here no not near me what if the prisoners get out you know it's like and and i remember george carlin used to talk about it's like that's the safest place to be a prisoner gets out you think he's gonna hang around and check local real estate trends like he's getting the hell out of there but but that was always the thing right like it's it's a everybody always has an argument there's always gonna be somebody arguing against something um but i think that that to me you know as uh, as like as we see other states do it, it's like, dude, if you decriminalized and let the states make their choices, and just think about the amount of money that could be made, and you know, right? Uh, it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, I think that it's just taken far too long. And there are some people who are jumping on the bandwagon to say, oh yeah, look at the tax revenue and look at the jobs and the, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. But right. but trying to sell it from, you know, like people people try to sell things from their own passion, and forget that you know the greatest salespeople out there, and I've worked for some uh, or worked with some amazing salespeople, um, you know, like they they make you they make you realize that you want this, you need this. And even make you think it was kind of your idea, and like that's that's what you got to do, and 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 it's things like that that I, I think that that fall short. I mean, again, it's like the fact that the electric car has become a big deal now. It's I feel like a lot less people are buying it because of global warming, and a lot more people are buying them because it's a luxury vehicle. It's neat. It's like it's this. Well, they're buying thing. it because because it's cool and because he tweets and because yeah. they want to feel uh, they want to feel like they're doing something for the environment. But yep. I mean, if you if you really look at it, it's actually I mean, I don't know about now, but when I when I heard this on the day I heard it, it's actually worse for the environment than a Toyota Corolla. Or a, See, yeah, that's that's crazy to me. But there's a Toyota. <laughs> And maybe not the Corolla, but there's a there's a car that burns fossil fuels that was actually better for the environment because of the te- for, than the Tesla hmm. because you had to bring so many ingredients yeah. to make that souffle from all over the world yeah. that you were offsetting <laughs> whatever the Tesla could do. Well, I get you, but I, I, mean, I hate to do this. I actually do. You talk about I, uh, living I the real life. Go I've got to run. <laughs> I have to go too. Listen, Gary. It was a it was a great talk. 
Uh, if you want to email me your IP, I'll throw it in the description. Uh, okay, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> Bye. Have a great night. Bye.